The reading this morning is from Galatians chapter 5, and it's from the messenger. My counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feel the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way, according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit habit of depersonalising everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Fantastic. Julia's come up. She's going to be preaching. Let me pray for you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for for Julia. Thank you for 
her preparation, her reading, her, her reflections this week. And we pray now that as she brings forth the word that uh, you've laid on her heart, we pray for boldness and courage. Pray that you would uh, prepare each of us too to hear you speaking to us through her. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Morning, everybody. I, uh, I chose particularly that, that version uh, because I think uh, in, the, in that, that Bible version of, in the message, uh, we get this kind of uh, balance between uh, the whole kind of fleshly, worldly, sinful and uh, the, the fruitful gentleness that, that, uh, that the Spirit brings. Uh, so this morning's message, of course, uh, is loads and loads of really good news. Um, but also some really bad news as well. Uh, so a chapter, uh, a chapter of two halves. This whole chapter, the whole of chapter five, is uh, entitled Freedom in Christ, uh, which is just brilliant. I think it's really important that we don't, you know, we all know, don't we, the love, joy, peace, patience. You could kind of recite them to me. You've known them since you were tiny. Um, but I, th- I think it's really important that we kind of understand the context uh, that Paul is writing in. And he's uh, entitled the whole of this chapter, Freedom in Christ, uh, and freedom uh, to love, freedom to love ourselves, uh, harder than we think probably, actually, freedom to love others, freedom to love God. And when we think about freedom, it's, uh, it's in our vocabulary, isn't it, at the moment, um, we think about freedom being uh, having the right or the, or the power to speak or act without being restrained or restricted in any way. That's what it means kind of in, in, in society. That's your dictionary definition, if you like. But when we think about freedom in Christ, that the things that restrain and hinder us is that selfishness. It's sinfulness, isn't it? And the, the, the way that Paul puts it in this version is, is, is selfishness. But we're talking more than selfishness as in, I'm, I'm not going to share my sweets with you. We're talking about selfishness ourselves right at the center that essentially is our definition of sin and it's that that restrains and hinders us and gets in the way of this beautiful freedom um, that Paul is writing about so we we each need to kind of learn what that freedom looks like um, and feels like and Paul says doesn't he it doesn't just mean you can do what you like this is me just being me that kind of almost negates responsibility but what I want us to think about is this, this freedom to walk and live in step with the Spirit. So that that freedom, freedom from our sinfulness, our selfishness, which is governed by uh, maybe for some of us guilt, maybe right at the deep roots, maybe it's shame, those things that, that kind of please us. Uh, that we have freedom to keep in step with the Spirit and to love one another, to love our neighbour as ourselves. We can only do that uh, if we're free, can't we? We can only do that if we're free. So what I want us to think about this morning is if we're offered this freedom, and we're offered it, Paul says we are free to live in, the way, uh, in, the, in that worldly way if we want to. How amazing is that? We are free. But if we're going to live... Uh, Free, uh, free, truly free in Christ. We need to think about what we're motivated by. How we need to think about where our identity uh, truly lies. 
Been really enjoying the sunshine lately, I'm sure you all have. Uh, Midsummer's Day has been and gone, so that means we're nearly at Christmas time. Uh, 176 days to go, just so that you know. Uh, we're now closer to Christmas than we were last week. Uh, so, but reading this passage makes me think a little bit about uh, uh, the Christmas, a Christmas tree and the difference between a Christmas tree uh, and uh, a regular ordinary tree. Um, Christmas in our house, you know, the whole decorating the tree is, is quite a big thing. Uh, in our house, Dan and the children would probably uh, have the Christmas tree up probably mid-November, quite happily. I'm quite happy to wait till uh, Christmas Eve, really. I'm a bit of a bar humbug. Um, but both the children have to be home. We're not allowed to start, uh, you know, decorating the tree until Megan and Sam are both there. Uh, the Christmas CD mix has to be on. We have to be driving home for Christmas. Uh, the mulled wine has to be on, uh, and then the traditional decorating of the tree begins. The bauble hanging, the untangling of the fairy lights, uh, and the muttering under the breath that you did fold them up properly, so how have they got so tangled in the loft if nobody's been touching them? Uh, and then uh, those kind of, uh, the, the bickering about who's uh, homemade baby paper angel thing gets to go on top of the tree. No, yours did last year, no, mine did. La, 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 la. All of that kind of stuff. You know, we, we're really pleased with our tree, aren't we? We switch the lights on and we get that Christmassy feeling and it looks gaudy and it looks great and it looks really special. Uh, but it doesn't last long, does it? It gets really tired really quickly. The tree starts shedding its needles. The cats have launched themselves at it so many times uh, and we've tried to stand it up so many times. It's just kind of looking a bit tired and it's because it's not really alive. The stuff on it, this tree, is, is gaudy and exciting for a little while. But actually, after a while, you know, we just pack it up and put it back in the loft, don't we? We don't even think about it. It's not a real tree. I think when, when Paul is talking about kind of living uh, those kind of behaviours that he talked about, some of those can be attractive for a while. You know, they're kind of aiming high, aiming for power, competition, um, shopping, eating, you know, all of that kind of stuff, it can seem really, really attractive. But it doesn't last for long. Compare it with uh, a humdrum fruit tree in an orchard. We've got apple trees in our garden. Quietly just getting on with the business of growing and producing good fruit. And properly cared for, these trees will go on and produce good fruit and seeds and shelter and food for year after year. Looked after in the right, right way, they will flourish and they provide, they give out for long-term, not just that kind of short-term gaudiness uh, of a Christmas tree. So when we think about that list of all those negative, difficult, embarrassing, a lot of us would like to think, oh, that's not me, I never do anything like that. But actually, we can all see it in our communities and in our world around us. We can all see small-mindedness. We can all see where community's gone wrong. We can all see broken uh, people, broken, broken communities, divided lives. Uh, all those ugly parodies, the things that Paul kind of goes on and on about. We can see all of that. And we've got to kind of imagine that's a bit like a Christmas tree. looked good for a little while but it's not going to last. So let's look at the difference that belonging to Christ brings. Let's look at the power of the Spirit living within us and the gift that he gives. Isn't it interesting, the gift of the Spirit, that all of those 
kind of outworkings are called a gift. They're not, there's not more than one. This is the gift that we're given. As God uh, establishes his kingdom within us, this new way of beginning and being and living, being united with Christ, it kind of, it grows slowly like the tree in the orchard. Maybe nothing uh, particularly sparkly at the beginning, but it grows and it becomes fruitful as life goes on. Maybe some of us are baptised. We have that kind of mark of belonging along the way a way of stepping into that new identity and that new life. But it can be difficult. It's often a daily struggle of choosing to live out that new identity, choosing to uh, turn our backs on those things that motivate us, uh, our sinful selves, those those things that motivate us. We need to choose to leave them behind. And this can be really hard work. This can be a daily choice. But when Paul talks about being in step with the Spirit, that's a a kind of coming alongside, drawing alongside, having the Lord within us, without us, in front of us and behind us. And it's active in being in step with. It's it's, it's a verb. It's it's active. It's ongoing. It's not a one-off thing. So it's really important that we recognise actually how tough that is and uh, the difference that it makes. I love the way that Paul talks about the, those, that gift and, and the, way that they, uh, the way that the gift kind of uh, is, is being fruitful, the, the way that it's flourishing in our lives. Uh, did, you, did you notice that the old, you know, the love, joy, peace, patience, can you hear them in uh, affection for others, is you, exuberance about life, serenity, a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates all people. Loyal commitments, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. They're all there, it's just said in a different way. So it's really hard to, to make those choices every day, but we're not doing it on our own. What, when Paul talks about being in step with the Spirit, we're allowing him to come in and change our motivation and transform our identity. This doesn't mean uh, we can relax and just say, well, I'm just being me. That's not acceptable. We need to take responsibility and be active, ongoing, and purposeful in tuning in to what the Spirit is doing in our lives and around us and what he wants for us. I think there's a couple of um, pitfalls when you look at these, this, this, uh, this kind of two ways of living and as we learn to bring them both together, as we learn to be uh, seek, tr- seeking the truth and be uh, consistently in God's word, but also to focus on love and the way that we work out our relationships with others. I think there's a couple of pitfalls we can avoid as a community. Perhaps these are things you've seen in, uh, in Christian communities. Uh, we can so focus on the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, um, that we then avoid acknowledging and discussing the things that where we don't agree, the places where we don't agree. And so that kind of um, search for truth, because we don't want to rock the boat, uh, we kind of, uh, we're we're, we're very, 
very, very aware of being gentle and kind, um, that we might therefore not even entertain discussing those areas where there are disagreements. So sometimes we can, uh, we can kind of, we can create an imbalance. Or sometimes it's the other way around, isn't it? That, that we can be so eager and zealous for the truth and so kind of almost blinkered that we forget to be joyful and kind and patient and loving with one another. And we, again, we kind of create an imbalance and isn't it amazing how Paul can actually be, in this Bible reading, is really quite direct, um, and yet he's able to say it. He's able to say the truth uh, in a loving and kind way. So I think it's, uh, there's, there's some pitfalls for us to avoid uh, and think about as a community. But what about us, then, uh, as individuals? Remaining in step with the Spirit is a lifelong commitment to God, means being thankful, it means repenting regularly and often, it means submitting in order to live out our new identity and live out that freedom that Christ has won for us. As Jesus begins that work of transformation in us, he takes out the old motivations and puts in the new. So we are swapping, if you like, uh, that sinful selfishness and we are then driven and motivated uh, by the things that God has for us and of course the ultimate gift of being able to share um, in that which Jesus has won for us in the cross the good things here on earth and uh, after when we die in heaven I was thinking about uh, how difficult this can be to kind of change our motivating behaviour. I wonder if anybody here has ever had a pet from rescue. Um, uh, when you get a pet from rescue, often the pet, the, the animal has had a really bad start in life. Um, it's had a really tricky, maybe even difficult or abusive kind of uh, uh, start. And then they're often, animals are then often in foster care for a little while before you then take them home. Uh, and obviously you're really excited. We've had uh, cats from rescue before, uh, desperately uh, wanting to love, the, love these animals that we know have had a really tricky start in life. Uh, but uh, when those animals, when uh, those cats came home to us, they were free and we wanted to love them, but they almost didn't know how to behave uh, in, um, in their new free environment. They were kind of, kind of locked into kind of old behaviour patterns and they were scratching uh, their claws on the furniture, they were jumping up on the bed, peeing on the sofa, you know, it's, it's, it was really hard for them, even though they were loved and they were free, to kind of learn those new patterns of behaviour uh, that meant that they were, they were free in themselves and being a real cat, but also honouring um, to us as, those that, as people that were looking after them. Uh, and sometimes we can be, perhaps be a little bit like that. We can see that freedom is there uh, and we know that we're free. We've got it kind of intellectually in our heads. Um, but the things that kind of motivate us because we're sinful and fallen people uh, uh, mean that we don't behave as uh, free people. And actually those sinful and fallen behaviours then end up being the thing that traps us. You know, right at the very beginning when we talked about the definition of freedom, being restrained or hindered, that then gets in the way. Those sin, that sinful behaviour gets in the way 
and restricts and hinders us. I see it in myself. Uh, I see it in myself, old behaviours that come to the surface. If I'm fearful or I'm frightened about something, you know, that can easily cause me to be angry or even aggressive. I stop believing I'm loved and I'm known. That old behaviour kind of comes to the surface. So perhaps as we um, just reflect on this, maybe Koo will come back up and um, wake up. Maybe Koo will wake up and come back up and, uh, and, uh, and come and play for us. But as, um, as the band are doing that, perhaps we might like to just think uh, and just reflect on that freedom that we all crave. Is the freedom that we crave the same uh, as the freedom that we encounter in Christ? Is the freedom that we see in this Bible passage the freedom to, to be affectionate to others, the freedom to be exuberant about life, uh, the freedom to embrace serenity, the freedom to stick with things, be compassionate. Does that freed, is that the freedom that we crave? Because that's the freedom we should be craving as Christians. We have the freedom not to compare ourselves with others. We have the freedom not to need to fight our way to control everything or everyone. We have the freedom to be radically kind and compassionate to others. We have the freedom to encourage others to live in freedom. We have the freedom to live in step with the Spirit and the freedom to grow in all the goodness that God has for us. So maybe uh, as an act of being free Maybe hold your hands open and receive that freedom. Is the freedom that you crave the same as the freedom that you encounter in Christ?